Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today, David Morrison and I uh, sit back and talk about uh, mental health, um, how different churches have dealt with that in the past and present, um, the importance of um, seeking therapy and things of that nature, as well as uh, some of the past saints and their um, possible struggles with mental illness. But before we get into that, thank you again for everyone that has supported us with Kickstarter. Uh, please go to kick.drcrpod.com. Um, we're using it now as a pre-order for books, so if you're interested in reserving a book, uh, please go do that. It's a $25 tier. It'll help us in the long run when we're ready to determine how, we, how many books we need to print. Uh, thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. If you want to learn more about Desert Rain Community, theruin.com is a place to go. Uh, for other episodes, drcrpod.com. Uh, for Dispatches from the Verge, which are the conversations with David and I, and Road to Desert Rain, uh, which are conversations with myself and people in the community. Uh, if you're enjoying what you hear, please tell a friend, uh, social media, and word of mouth really help us. We appreciate you, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. David Morrison. Hola. Spring has sprung. Yes, the fruit flies are about. <laughs> Swarming us. In my face. Um, yeah, happy first Saturday in April. Or May. Yeah, I don't even know what month it is. <laughs> um, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Cool. Not too bad. Yeah, so today we're, we're going to um, venture down what some might say can be a, a sort of a controversial issue, um, but I, I think it's important in, in the sense of, of having an open dialogue about it, having an open uh, conversation about it, um, but this idea of, of mental health, um, how it's looked at or addressed within the church. Um, how it's looked at and addressed within society as a yeah. whole, um, and and just sort of you know walking in everyday life, so to speak, either with with mental illness or um, with someone suffering from mental illness, whether it be diagnosed or not. Because that's I think that's another thing that's um, not everyone has access for diagnosis, right? Yeah. And so um, I, I guess we'll just lead off with uh, sort of to set the foundation, but um, when you were pastoring a church, and maybe not even in your church specifically, but just churches that you observed or heard about, kind of what was the, so this would have been, what, 20 plus years ago? Right, yeah. Um, what was sort of the the outlook on, on mental health uh, diagnosis yeah. or, or people coming to the church suffering with some type of mental health uh, struggle. What, what was that like 20 years ago? It was dismal. You know, I, I, think, I think if you look at Christianity 
uh, in its history. And just take, for example, its relationship with sexuality. Mm. It's a dismal track record. It's awful. And so I think mental health is, is very similar. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so we, yeah, so we would uh, <clears throat> kind of not talk about it. And because we had the, uh, the belief that, you know, Jesus and some Bible verses and some prayer mm. can take care of everything. Right. And it's, then, a, it's a cure-all. Yeah. Just <laughs> get a, and sometimes it would be a demon possession. We would, we would oh, put wow. it into that category. Uh, so it's not mental illness. So, so we were, so get this, we were more, we were uh, more apt to believe that someone struggled with demon possession than they did with anxiety and depression that would be clinically, you know, could be clinically observed. Uh, or bipolar. So that's how, so that was the state of our church anyway. And I, I'm thinking it hasn't really, hopefully it's improved generally, but that's pretty much it. Uh, and, and, it's a, and it's a theological problem. In, in what sense? Because if you believe that the, the uh, physical 66 books of the Bible are the, are the only and top uh, commentary on what reality is, you're 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 gonna go to some crazy, bizarre places, mm. and so uh, collectively, right, 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 right. So right. yeah, um, so it's just it's just a bad, and that's the most popular form of Christianity, I guess. And do you think, and and you know, not that not that you're necessarily an expert or anything, but do you think? Now it's almost because uh, there are churches out there, right? That that address mental health stuff, that um, acknowledge it. You know, even yeah. if maybe they don't have the answer for it. Probably the mainline um, Protestants, uh, many of the Catholic churches for sure. Uh, so I'm I'm talking about our own kind, which was exp- more of an experiential Christianity and evangelical Christianity, charismatic. That kind of thing, which is very popular. Well, so my question, I guess, is, do you think the different, the ones that are acknowledging it today, and not to pit people, you know, not to pit church, you know, this isn't UFC fight club or something, but do you think they've doubled down in the sense that, you know, the ones that uh, acknowledge it, maybe go out of their way to make sure like, hey, look at us, we're acknowledging it versus the ones that kind of like what you're saying where it's a demon possession, yeah. You know, uh, that's their rationale behind it. Has doubled down and being like, "Oh no, it's definitely demon possession." Or do you even have any context or frame of reference? Yeah, for that it would, in, in modern day. Yeah. So if you listen to any televangelist or you know that kind of a a person, they would uh, kind of they they tend to pit themselves against the medical field in general and science. Mm. So that, so that it's very popular in those circles, at least in, in my day it was, I'm thinking it's the same. I've watched Christian TV. It's the same drivel and just new sheep, uh, new, uh, different grifters, same grift, uh, and, and the same, and different gullible people now, a new set of gullible people. Right. But what they tend to do is, uh, you know, the doctor said I had no, ch- I had no chance. But Jesus had another, th- you know, mm-hmm. and, and so they pit Jesus against the, you know, your doctors, and uh, and then they get into, you know, I've known people, like I've been close to people who were mm-hmm. went into foolish territory, telling their churches not to go to doctors, 
mm. that it's a, it's a statement against faith to go to a doctor and, and just absolute nonsense and foolishness mm -hmm. like that. Uh, that's neither, in my opinion, it's, it's neither uh, Christ-centered nor rational. Uh, you know, and, and I, you know, again, I'm not a theologian and I'm not a therapist either. I'm just, I can only speak out of my ex years of experience. Right. And so, yeah. and, and to sort of, you know, come back to that experience, that was actually where I was going to go with my next question, but has your outlook in and around, actually, that's not the right question. How has your outlook let's say within the last 20 yeah. years changed around mental health stuff being, you know, we've talked about in the past and I don't know how in deep you want to, in depth you want to go yeah. to it, but ha you know, having someone close to you in your life have struggles, yeah. you know, kind of how is, how has that evolved and changed for you and sort of your, your perspective of mental health? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, to go back, you know, my, from my teens, you know, I began to just simply observe we would, quote-unquote, cast a demon out of someone, and then they wouldn't get better. <laughs> the same symptoms would be there, depression, anxiety, or, you know, whatever they were, uh, hallucinations. Interesting. Right, uh, interesting. And so I was like, okay, so... And as a teenager, were you a young teenager, or were you, like... Late teens, okay, yeah, okay. early 20s. And, okay. Yeah, and so just saying, you know, we really don't know. And then, and then the vineyard movement was also... You know, they, they celebrated being, and still do, what they call the radical middle, which, you know, give me a break. Some, you know, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but it's an interesting what they meant, though, coupling of words. Yeah, you know, uh, anyway, I won't get into that. But, uh, but the radical middle in that context meant uh, between the rationality of evangelical religion and Pentecostal experience. And they were the radical middle between that. And so they would readily acknowledge in the 1980s, uh, you know, John Wimber and, and, mm -hmm. and therefore everyone following him like me, uh, we, would, we, would, uh, we were comfortable saying we don't know where demon possession begins and mental illness ends. Mm -hmm. We don't know any, you know, so we're just doing our best. Um, and so, but yeah, definitely as... Uh, you know, as, as my own daughter began to struggle in her early teens with, with mental health, it definitely opened, it changed my perspective emotionally, for sure. In what sense? Uh, greater empathy for families that, that uh, you know, have loved ones that they're trying to support and trying right. to, to get through these things. Because there is no getting through. Right. In, in the sense that there's no end to it. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there are good days and bad days, and that's... That's a hard reality, you know. Um, and so, well, and, I, and yeah. I don't think. Um, well, I mean, you you shared about this. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. I think it was Sunday service, but you know, with kind of going back, stepping away from the idea of just mental health struggles. But you turn on any TV, at least in America, because it's outlawed in most other countries, and you see prescription. Right, for advertisements. Everything. Yeah. And uh, what did you, not pseudo life. Yeah, it's kind of scenes of pseudo, of a pseudo life yeah, behind you called it. You called it something else, though. It was, it, it was much more poetic than what I'm doing justice uh, okay. to it. But, um, yeah, I don't remember. Pseudo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But 
Um, and, and so you see that for what, you know, for all, all sorts of elements, right? Um, and then it, when you narrow it down on the advertisements for whether it's depression or anxiety or things of that nature, uh, it's, it's the same sort of thing, but it's almost magnified because we know the people that are watching it that are struggling with depression, yeah. that are struggling with anxiety. Um, and then, you know, whatever it else, you know, there's, we could, we could list tons of them, right? Then they see this pseudo life that can be experienced through a pill yeah. or a shot or some, some kind of prescription. Um, and so then there, there's almost this industry of feeding into this, what you're saying, like, of, um, there's good days and bad days, right? Yeah. The medication is actually just showing, like, that's not true. That we we have something to sell you here that is just good days. Probably, probably on that. Well, I, yeah, and I would say the entire advertising industry, there are no bad days. These are all good days. They're of, trying to sell you on that, and yeah, religion course, is of too. Of course, uh, popular religion is totally doing that. Yeah, but but uh, Jesus but I, will make you a winner. But if you don't, so for a family or a person that doesn't hasn't had that empathy, like you're saying, for right. someone that struggles, yeah. and they're like, oh well, why don't you just go take this pill? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's not that easy. Why don't you try to just go to sleep, take a nap, <laughs> go what is it? Uh, go exercise. <laughs> yeah, go exercise <laughs> and, and, and take some water. melatonin and <laughs> drink lots of water and and so um, you know maybe maybe you could speak on that a little bit. Uh, as far and and not necessarily having to give specific examples for yourself, but you know what? How could someone understand or can you articulate what it's like having walking through that? Like, not sure if today's going to be a good day. Right. Not sure if today's going to be a bad day. You know, when it comes to someone you love uh, that may be struggling or may not be struggling in that moment, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you could put put some words to that. Well, I mean, yeah, the reality is if that person is alive the next day, you know, that loved one of yours, if they didn't commit suicide or do something reckless mm-hmm. and get killed, uh, it's it's it gives you a new perspective on life, you know, and uh and and there's also an industry in entertainment, particularly the internet, where uh people are basically uh will uh, TikTok people's mental illness breakdowns in public mm. and, and, and you're entertaining yourself off of that. And so that's something I don't do anymore and, or take lightly. Uh, I feel deep sadness for those kinds of things. Mm. Not, they're not funny, you know. Uh, if I see a comedian uh, making jokes about their own mental illness struggle, I think that's a healing thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Pete Davidson is a is a comedian out there. Dave Chappelle has also talked a little bit about that. I, I, are we not supposed to mention Dave Chappelle anymore? Is that I forgot what the rules are. The government should be telling us this. Uh, oh yeah. Well, they're they're starting the Truth Ministry or whatever. Oh okay okay yeah. So anyway, I forgot who's who's on the list or not. But yeah. yeah but, so, but anyone anyone willing to go that has a platform willing to go out there and speak honestly. Yeah. And openly about and even you know. Beyond comedians, 
Yeah, Eminem is another. Eminem's a good one. I know. Yeah. I I can't think of off the top of my head, but I know there's been uh, actors and actresses recently yeah. that have come out and, um, you know, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram yeah. or TikTok and and have not or have um, been honest about. Uh, I think Miley Cyrus is one of those people yeah. of her her struggles in and around uh, mental health and addiction and and substance abuse uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, and those are often related, right? Alcoholism, mm -hmm. substance abuse, and mental health are all inter interrelated, and uh, so yeah, yeah. So don't don't feed that industry. Uh, you know, uh, don't dismiss a person because they uh, are bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know, don't dismiss their 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 contribution. You know, like they're less of a person. Uh, and that kind of thing, you know, and so we don't do that. We tend to not do that anymore uh, to the physically uh, mm -hmm. disabled, right? Uh, although short men don't get a pass on that. <laughs> I've been treated, uh, it's kind of bizarre, I'm short, and I've been treated like it's a character issue on my part. Yeah, really? it's so bizarre, yeah, when people, I don't have a problem with it, but so it's surprising to me Right. When people have a problem with it, at a, at a, you know, and I, you know, and I was a teacher for 15 years and, and half of that was middle school. <laughs> so Mr. Oh, yeah. oh, you're yeah. short, Mr. You're short. So, you know, I, I grew a hard uh, skin over it, but, uh, but when adults do that, yeah. I can give middle school kids a pass on it. And then I would use it well, as comedy anyway. Middle school kids are supposed to exactly. make fun of the things you're most, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the, you're most insecure about, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and they found deeper things than my height, things right, that I had course, tucked away, yeah. hidden away in the darkest yeah. <laughs> uh, desert of my being, and they could was... ferret it out and find it <laughs> and expose it to the world. Middle school kids are evil. God, yeah. They're evil. Um, so, yeah. So. Well, I think that's an interesting point you bring up as far as, um, because I do think we're moving in the right direction societally uh, with, with the mental health stuff. Yeah. But people still get scapegoated. You know, I think the most recent uh, version of that was uh, has been Kanye West. Yeah. You know, who who has openly talked about his mental health oh, struggles, yeah, yeah. and then when he has breakdowns on stage right. or is filmed uh, having, in fact, that was not to dig up this point too much, but uh, he released a documentary a couple months ago. And that was actually one of the, in my opinion, one of the admirable things that the person actually filming it actually turned off the camera during some of these um, manic moments. Uh, more vulnerable states. Yeah, he in. and, and yeah. He, he could see that he could see that. It would be something used for entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And some million opted, memes in that. <laughs> yeah, and opted out of that's recording cool. it. Yeah. and that's not. For uh, a documentarian, that goes against their nature. Right. Their nature is to film everything yeah. and let the story tell itself, right? And, and Wes may not have had the presence of mind to make a, a rational decision mm -hmm. to put that in the documentary or not. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's good that... You know, and, and so, you know, and, and I think that was sort of the underlying tone from the documentarian is, is you know, we need to have a more empathetic... Yeah. Sure, it might be, it, it, for some people, it might be entertaining in that moment. Yeah. But um, 
These are these are actual human beings, regardless of what you think of Kanye West, right? Yeah. Love him, hate him, it doesn't matter. He's still yeah, human. Yeah, or any of these comedians that we yeah, talk about. They're human beings. Yeah. Right. And they just so happen to make their living by being on the public, uh, the public stage. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think for me, kind of staying with this this uh, idea of of empathy, you know, I, I and I've talked about it here, but this anxiety more so, um, depression on a much on a lesser scale, but anxiety for sure has made me um, very attuned and very aware of when people are able to know how hard it is to vocalize, I'm feeling anxious hmm. right now, and and not uh, for me personally, right? Like can't control those around me. But trying to hear that person and meet them at their anxiety, right? Like right. In, in the sense of like, did you just need to say that out loud? Is there anything I can support support you with? Yeah. Um, because I'm also kind of I want to be a fixer at times, right? Um, and so I have to. I also have to back off of that and be like, no, this person just might need to vocalize in this moment that they're feeling anxious because sometimes yeah. that's all I need. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like I know that it's not you and I have had many conversations around that where you know, we just throughout the day and I'm I'm able to like open up to you and be like, "Man, I I have yeah. no idea why, but my anxiety is through the roof today." Yeah. You know, and and um and because we've bet, built that Anamkara relationship, you you just listen. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're you're you know, you're not saying, well, how much sleep did you get last night? Or right. like, what's going on at work? Which, Which you may need to do that, but... Yeah, but <laughs> but for me, I think through all those things, and I'm usually pretty good about vocalizing them yeah. to the people I'm talking to. But uh, other people, like, sometimes I just need to listen, you know, instead, yeah. of, instead of letting my fixer... Witness people. Yeah, and, and so maybe you could uh, speak to that um as far as like your ability to witness those that yeah. have, have approached you um because i think that's a helpful skill to have and as your friend yeah it seems as though you have been able to um embody that specifically with people struggling with these types of things yeah i mean let me preface it with in, in popular Christianity, particular, particularly the, uh, the, the confessional, what I mean by confessional is the name it, claim it, prosperity gospel, which is very popular right. in the world. Uh, you're not supposed to confess anything negative. Mm. If you, if you, so that's kind of one of the main teachings, one of the main uh, doctrines of this popular Christianity, which is if you if you say you're depressed and you really are depressed and therefore you, you gave a bad confession and you gave yourself over to dark demons and I therefore, see. but what they're actually doing is driving themselves even deeper into a depression. Uh, you know, and, and for those of you out who might be listening out there who are struggling with that, uh, with what I'm saying here, uh, you know, I, I would give you the, the verse in Philippians that says, uh, you know, expose the things of darkness. Uh, and when they get exposed by the light, those things become light. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a powerful verse. For sure. Uh, so, if, so if someone can witness you in a non-judgmental heart, 
and see you in the tenderness of your own vulnerability and simply be a non-judgmental, non-critical presence, uh, I, I, would, I would suggest that there's healing in that. Mm-hmm. And, that and those dark feelings, if you will, and dark uh, thoughts can be transformed into light as a result of that. And there is no such thing as a one-time stop and healing mm-hmm. kind of thing. This is a process that goes on for your, the entirety of your life. And so, so to be a healing presence to one another means to be a non-judgmental presence. Uh, and, uh, and not to try to, yeah, like you said, often in our attempts to try to heal people, we, we end up hurting them more by giving them advice that they didn't ask for. Mm. Uh, getting angry when they don't take the advice that they asked for. Uh, who cares if they take it or not? It's none of your business whether they take it or not. You, your job at that moment was just simply they asked, what, should, what do you think I should do? And you told them. And, uh, and you leave it at that. And so, so it's a spiritual work to do that, of to be that non-judgmental presence around someone uh, so that their perspective can expand and they realize this is just a bad day. This is one day out of many uh, days, and, uh, and it doesn't define who I am mm-hmm. eternally. Uh, and doesn't define my entire life. And so you get to, you get to step back a little bit. And some, if we could witness each other in that process, uh, it, gives, it gives a wider perspective. And for you personally, how have you been able to, to cultivate um, being that wis- a witness of non-releasing the judgment, yeah. uh, creating that tenderness within you to then... Right, because you don't just—it's yeah. not a matter of just flipping the switch of like, okay, I'm not going to be judgmental and I'm going to be tender-hearted now. Right, right. right? <laughs> so, so how have you cultivated yeah. that for your, for you personally over the years? Well, I'd like to say my stiff regimen of spiritual practices has opened up compassion and a merciful view, but that's bullshit. Uh, I've had my ass handed to me multiple times throughout my life, uh, and in those crises. Uh, uh, have been in deep need of mercy in my own vulnerable states. And so, and in receiving that kind of mercy in community, uh, just in my experience with God, uh, it, it, it seems to expand my heart for others is what's happened. Again, like my own daughter, uh, when she was about 13, 14, uh, uh, because of a sexual assault and then uh, a triggering of bipolar disorder for her. Uh, when she began to go through that, and then also adolescence, hey, that's a good time for all that to happen, right? right? Yeah, all the, all uh, the hormones. That yeah, come it was just, it was a, just right? a perfect storm for us as a family, and, uh, and it triggered my own PTSD uh, with my brother's uh, brutal, tragic death. Uh, at 21, when he was 21, I was 22. Uh, and so what happened was, for example, I started realizing normal situations with her, my daughter, uh, you know, she'd have friends over, something like that. Right. That would trigger, all of a sudden, I could sense, even though I wasn't freaking out verbally, or, but inside I could feel the chemicals right. of, of uh, adrenaline, is that what it is? Uh, cortis- cortisol? I, I, yeah, or, I, I, there's definitely... 
I don't, I don't know what the chemical names are, but the physical response. I could feel it, right, yeah. coming on. And when I visualized it, I could picture like those uh, during the 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 Gulf War Part One uh, when Saddam uh, burned up all the the oil wells. Remember? Oh, and they were just fire. burning, yeah, yeah and yeah. just that it was being heat and uh, pollution being released into the atmosphere. That's kind of what I could sense going on with my physical heart. Oh, wow. These wells were just on fire and just, uh, and so I saw a therapist. Uh, my daughter was mad because I, I, I encroached on her therapist. It was her therapist. I went to, right. and she was like, hey, that's my therapist. But we worked it out. And she did a. You get your own therapist. <laughs> exactly. And she did a, a, a treatment called EMDR, uh, eye movement. Uh, response something uh should have did some homework before we right. <laughs> talked about this but it's uh, it was a very strange and very simple thing that she did where she just put these vibrating uh th- buttons in my hands okay. that would alternate this the vibration and then i would choose the story that to tell you know one session i went through the the, the process of my brother's uh death and uh but it, and it wasn't like those were things I had repressed. I'm very open about these things. Right. Yeah. But it it was different that time, and it and it seemed to unhook whatever so, my brain was doing, connecting it to my current situation. So, for example, as you were telling your your brother the story of your brother's passing, the indicators that you were holding, the vibration, they would just alternate vibration. Or yeah, left that- and right. Yeah. So it wasn't even like it would pause and randomly vibrate. It would just go back and forth kind of thing. I guess so, yeah. yeah. And I guess they originally, with vets, they were doing it with, I think, just a pin in the hand. Mm-hmm. And they would just move it left and right. And I, their, yeah, I've heard, and the I've eyes heard of, would follow it. Yeah, I've heard of both things. where, it, uh, Or even you would look at a screen and, and it would it probably would simulate something with the pin. Right. Where you would fall. Because I've heard of that. I've heard of the holding the two indicators. Yeah. And I've heard of the pin. uh you know, and again, I'm not a therapist, and I don't have a neurological, <laughs> academic background. Right. But I know that uh, I cried deeply, and I was visibly shaken. I was trying to pay her, trying to sign my my. You can't sign your name on those stupid digital things anyway. Oh right, I hate right, those right, things. Yeah, yeah. So I'm slipping all over the place, and yeah. I'm shaking. And she's like, "Are you sure you're okay?" And uh, and I went to the graveyard to visit my brother's grave, and walked around for another hour or so and and then yeah and and it unhooked that event from 2022 uh unhooked that event to the way I was responding at 44 45 years old and so uh I forgot why we were even I forgot what your original question was <laughs> well you you just started um talking about uh the uh, oh, how do you how do you how, open how, up? Yeah, how have you become yeah. more tender? How have you become more non-judgmental yeah. around things? So by being in connection with my own vulnerability, yeah. going through these things myself uh, is is how usually that's the usual path. It's like Richard Rohr says: it's usually uh, uh, great suffering or great love is what opens us up to to these things. I guess it could go the other way. You could become bitter. Well, yeah, I think you can, uh, what's the biblical term? Harden the heart. I guess, yeah, I guess. You know, if we're talking about like being tender, tender hearted yeah. and hard, hard, hardening the heart. Um, 
I think in this example, those those terms actually yeah. fit the conversation. Because because the yeah uh, you know the, another popular thing in uh, social media is is for an older usually it's the older generation uh, making fun of the mentally ill, just saying they need to grow up, kind of thing, and making it a generational thing. Uh, you know, so they'll they'll make fun of millennials usually, and then uh, usually millennials and boomers are the ones. Yeah, going fighting. back and forth. But now they're starting to include the the Zoomers. Uh, and then and Generation X is like, yeah, we're always ignored. <laughs> and, then, and then the millennials say, oh, I'm sorry, we forgot you were there. And so, uh, so yeah, so it's, so lack of empathy, yeah, usually sounds like people saying they just need to get a job. They just need to work harder. They just need to, uh, to do these simple steps. Uh, they just need to grow up. Usually that's a sign of people that are in great pain uh, and have not received any healing over it. And well, I think, causing pain. And I think it goes back to what you mentioned. I mean, not directly, but it's, they're making it a character issue. Yeah, right? they turn it's, it into a character instead issue. Of, instead of being, like you're saying, open-hearted. Yeah. And even, it's funny, because, and I think, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but physical response. So, you know, I, I think I, I, there's some uh, PTSD associated with me being in the Navy. Um, but this physical response, PTSD, I, I had never really experienced until um, a couple of years ago when I got bitten by a dog, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now, cause I still, you know, I love, I love walking. I've always enjoyed walking, but, um, it, the last few years it's, it's grown quite a bit. Yeah. And so I'll go walking around here, um, where there's a bunch of, bunch of dogs or even just in, by, around my mom's house. Um, and if there are two to three dogs that start running, even if I can see that there's a fence, and they're oh, running up, yeah. barking, and, and maybe not even necessarily being aggressive per se, right? Like they're just barking because that's what dogs do. Yeah. Like the clammy hands. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Heart depend- rate. Yeah, depending on how long I have to walk along it, you know, sweat on the brow and just like sort of, it sounds like to a much lesser extent, but even within, within my core and my chest, feeling a physical, uh, you know, uh, response to it you know not you know if if you're thinking of saddam hussein setting wells on fire maybe if you think of like a lighter <laughs> in compare you know what i mean oh, okay yeah, you yeah. know to a much lesser extent yeah. but there, still happening though there's still a physical yeah um and it for me it's it's um open my mind open my heart to people who talk about P- ptsd like you're describing where it's, it's a much more intense physical reaction, right? Yeah, there's different, le- you know, combat, you know, soldiers. Who well, that, that's the example that. I was going to say is Fourth yeah. of July for some combat soldiers yeah, it's not is, a good is absolute hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and um, so, so just being, from my perspective, being able to uh, acknowledge, even if I don't know someone going through it, knowing that, you know, during the Fourth of July with all the fireworks, there are people out there that, um, coincidentally enough, right, Fourth of July is like America Pride Day. It's like about freedom and, and the people yeah. that actually had to go over and uh, are now suffering 
right. because of this quote unquote celebration. Yeah, so ironic. You know, and, and, and just being able to be uh mind mindful of that, but you know, just open hearted to that, right? Yeah. And and um Cause going back to the original question about how do you cultivate that tenderness? How do you uh, cultivate um, the non-judgmental way of life? And I guess the next sort of question around that, um, because you've had these experiences where people have been willing to open up to you about whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, not that you can advertise it per se but but um how have you so this is a good way to put it how have you put yourself in situations where people have felt safe enough to approach you with these types of things uh i i don't i mean i don't intentionally do that okay uh so i yeah i i don't i'm not sure how to yeah. answer that. Yeah. i mean there have been weird times like this kind of situation has happened to me often throughout my life. Uh, even when I wasn't, a, you know, as, as non-judgmental as I was am now. Right, right, right. You know, and you're, and even, you're even more judgmental teenager, days. Yeah, even as a teen. Yeah, actually, even in elementary school. I don't know what it, Maybe it's because I'm short. I, I don't know. And people feel non-threatened. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but then they ought to feel scared because I look like a leprechaun, you know. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> The middle school kids would say that and I was the leprechaun. Remember that that horror comedy yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. I would say, guess what happens to the teenagers in that in those movies, lads and lassies? Uh, but but here's like here's an example of of a very typical thing that'll happen to me in public. Right. Uh, so I was I was with a friend who was going through a uh, a divorce trial, and he asked me to to go with him. He's going through a divorce. So I went to the county courthouse, and it's packed out. We got the last two chairs in this one floor where the, where the courtroom was. Right. I guess there were multiple courtrooms on each floor. Usually. Yeah. Packed out, though, this whole floor. It's a huge floor, too. Uh, and we're talking hundreds of people in this, on this floor. And um, we get the last two seats. He goes in. I'm not allowed to go in there, so I, I'm just waiting in the lobby for him or in the outside How long area. ago was this? Uh, she, maybe 12 years ago, Okay, you know, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and there's people standing around and there was this very strange looking dude way with the hell across the, the, the floor. And I knew, I just knew that dude is going to, as soon as this chair next to me is open, <laughs> that's going to be the dude yeah, yeah. Who, who sits next to me. And, uh, and sure enough, boom, he sits next to me. What are you reading, bro? And, uh, and, 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 you know, and it happened to be a Thomas Merton book. I had a choice between two books on my, in my car at the time. One was a, oh, ch right, a Chuck right. Palahniuk book, uh, the novel Choke. <laughs> and then there was a Thomas Merton book. That both. says a lot about me right there. Well, I was going to say both of them uh, are fodder or can be fodder for weird conversations. Yeah, exactly. So I choose the Thomas Merton book, the safe one, I guess. And. So I tell him, yeah, this, this book. And, uh, 
And he says, oh, you're into spiritual things. I like to smoke pot in my garage, and, and, I, <laughs> and I cheech it up, and I sit in the smoke, and I see God, bro. And then, uh, yeah, and, and it just got weirder and weirder from there. <laughs> it was just so bizarre. Uh, R-rated. It, it got R-rated from there, and so bizarre. And, it, it spiraled. Uh, yeah, yeah. and I was going to say spiraled so that, downward, but it might have spiral, spiraled upwards yeah. in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Marsh and I were walking into a store one time in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like a grocery store. And this woman was looking down, coming out. We're going in. She's going out. You know, the, the, the automatic doors right. section. And she popped up her head and looked at us like she was surprised and then she made the the sound of a horse at us she neighed at us <laughs> and, then we were, and so and it was happened so fast we're like Did that woman just neigh at us i think she neighed at us and so that kind of stuff happens to us all the time i don't know what it is oh <laughs> um, well i had completely forgot about this until you were just telling the story about the gentleman in the courthouse um but I, I was on the phone the other day about a, a doctor's appointment, and it was, well, I'll, yeah, it was through the VA. <laughs> <laughs> so through, through the, you know, through the phone. Yeah, 10 away. hours later. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't even that, actually. But through the, the phone web of, of trying to get to the person I, I, I thought I needed to talk to, I ended up, it was obviously a call center type of situation right where there was multiple people taking incoming calls to try to try to sort out and towards the end of the the conversation the woman i was talking to and we had a little bit of a fun banter you know just kind of reflecting on on the day and she started venting about her boss and it it was very interesting because you could kind of tell when she hit that point of like, oh no, I've said too much. I'm venting to the, like, I shouldn't be venting to this person. And, but I reassured her, I was like, hey, you know, some, sometimes that, sometimes that's, that's what we need. We need, you know, we need that. We just need to say it in the moment to, to help it pass. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so whatever, we continued the conversation and finished up what we, we needed to finish. But then at the end of the conversation, uh, she gave a very sincere thank you about allowing her to vent about the situation. Mm. And it was one of those weird things. Cause to me in the moment, it was just like, yeah, like sometimes you gotta, you gotta complain about your boss. Like it didn't, it didn't seem abnormal to me in the moment. Right. 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 But when she gave the sincere thank you at the end, that, that caught me off guard. Because to me, it was just a normal, normal type of interaction. Right. And so it, it, it's interesting how when we are not necessarily thrusted in those situations, it, you can harden your heart. And, you know, you could have shut down the conversation with the guy who sat next. Yeah, to I could have just gotten up, I guess. You know, um, I could have, you know, I could have not tried to make it like, being like, hey, I understand, you know, I understand, you know, under I could have been like, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but when given those opportunities, and not to, you know, I probably have shut down <laughs> weird conversations <laughs> at times where someone needed to talk, right? So I've probably fallen on both sides of the yeah. fence. Um, well, and if someone is in a manic state, they could be violent, and you do need to, like, not make eye contact and, 
And I've been in situations like that as well. Right. Where you just don't make eye contact. And so, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's also the, you know, the, the, the saints, if you will, you know, of whatever, all religions, but, you know, I'll talk about Christianity. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely a, uh, uh, what's the word, an overlapping of, of mental health issues and spirituality there. And, and, and so you can't be either or about this. You can't say, well, Joan of Arc uh, was crazy and therefore dismiss her and everything about her. Well, you, you can do You can that. do that, but it's that a mistake possible. spiritually right. to do that. Right. Someone that said, you know, this, I mean, this was a, what, 14-year-old girl? Yeah, I don't, I know. Young I know, teenager. I know very, yeah, I know very young. I don't, standing I don't know. up to these uh, middle-aged old men uh, in church authority who put her to death, and she, and she schooled them. Uh, she beat them like they owed her money. Uh, you know, they, they asked her, uh, are, you on, uh, are you in God's grace? That was one of the questions at her trial. And, and this is a 14-year-old ignorant peasant girl who's hearing voices, uh, who's probably schizophrenic, uh, and she says, if I am in the grace of God, uh, I pray that he would keep me in that grace. If I'm not in the grace of God, I pray and trust he will put me in his grace. I mean, that's a, uh-huh. that's a major answer to these inquisitors who put her to death. And right. So you can't dismiss... Uh, completely, you know, someone like Saint Francis, probably the most beloved saint in the in the Western world. Uh, there's no doubt he was in a um, a bipolar state, manic states of of ecstasy, and mm. and uh, we call it repentance, just to spiritualize and religify it. Uh, but but the, his penance and his depressive repentance, states. yeah, it was a depressive low, is what it was. Mm. And and uh, and and what I'm saying is is our relationship with God and spirituality is not, does not reside completely in our rational mind. Mm. In fact, when it's stuck in the rational mind, it's very lacking, and you get a lot of Christianity that you have today, which becomes political because there's no power otherwise, so let's grab political power well, uh, and, and that kind of thing. It becomes idolatrous. Well, I think, too... Um so to take the St. Francis example, right? So, you, you know, you were talking about dismissing Joan of Arc. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think there can also be the other sweet, other angle of it in the sense that you shouldn't, like, oh, who are you to say Francis was going through bipolar? Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? And right. like to And it's like, well, by acknowledging the truth of it, right? Yeah, in my, in my mind, uh, it adds to the to the sainthood of the situation. To me, it does. Yeah, you know, and but to some people, there's like this weird, like um, I don't know if you'd call it like a purity test, but it's like, oh well, you because of the way they look at mental. I, it speaks more of how they look. Yeah, at mental it's health perfectionism. Issues. Right. Exceptionalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah, and it's so very, very not healthy. And so you know. By saying these things about Saint Francis, you're you're minimizing, or, or excuse me, you're uh, in their eyes, you're you're being blasphemous. Right. Yeah. But it, yeah. It might, it's like no, that that that's part of the legacy of greatness. Yeah. That uh, how can we uh, 
for how can I? So let, let me take it back to me. But if if I'm really going to look up to St. Francis as a spiritual leader, you know, how am I going to then uh, be less judgmental, more yeah. uh, empathetic with someone that I meet on the street? Exactly. Who is in, you know, who is also uh, a similar diagnosis, seemingly, right? Like, right. Who, you know, right, who knows? And um, so for me, it, it adds to my uh, bring. So for me, bringing that spirituality into the real world, right? Right into into my day to day walk with with those I encounter, and um, and not just brushing it aside or or putting it on a pedestal, being like right, you know, inaccessible. Yeah, making them inaccessible. So uh, one other thing I did want to. I'll bring up because I'm glad you you brought that point up. So and I, and I'll probably add this into the intro, um, but this idea of of um, therapy, you know, seeing a therapist, seeing a professional, you know, me and you are just just guys talking on a microphone, right? right yeah, we're not we're not uh, uh, qualified in the sense of of diagnosing anything or right, treating yeah. anything, prescribing anything. Um, but I, I would be interested in getting your uh, take. I know a lot of churches uh, have on staff uh, Christian therapist. I think that they refer to it as that, or yeah. a therapist that you know is under this this Christian umbrella. And and I don't know um, what your observations have been around that. I know it's a kind of a broad question, but yeah, um, sort of sort of uh, what you've seen within that realm of of. Services provided by the church, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it on par with the secular world. You know, there's okay. good therapists and there are really bad ones. Uh, I, I, maybe it's our culture here, specifically in the Southwest. We tend to, uh, people in authority, we tend to not question people in authority. Mm. Uh, you know, it's the doctor, for God's sake. You know, it's the priest. Uh, you know, it's el pastor, you know, that kind of thing. And, <laughs> Uh, but, but it's just like any other field. Yeah, there are, there are really lame therapists who are, and, and, and a therapist, and that's not to say they won't get better at it. Mm. They might be at the beginning of their own career and, and are moving from the, you know, it's like teaching too. Or, I was or, a terrible teacher my first year. Or it might uh, just be a bad fit for the, the patient therapist relationship. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, I, I, that's, that was my experience uh, with one particular therapist. It it was just, and I think they were probably a really good therapist. Yeah. But for whatever reason, when I went, it was it just felt flat. Yeah. You know, and and so I stopped seeing them. And and it's not a you know I didn't go like on Google and leave them a bad. Uh, no, because you don't know. Yeah, I don't know, and and yeah. um, and then like you're saying, I've gone to other people where within the first two, two or three meetings, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I feel comfortable here. I feel safe here. I can open up about whatever it is yeah. I need to open up. So, so you, you feel like the, you, it's similar in the, if we're trying to narrow it down to the, to Christian therapists. Yeah. Cause I've seen good ones and I've seen bad ones. And, uh, uh, same in, you know, this, the so, the so-called secular world. Mm. Uh, my, my cardiologist, uh, is a good example. There's no doubt in my mind. Per, and again, I'm not a 
I'm not in, in a medical position to right, diagnose right, right. anybody, but you know, I can see signs. I can go on the internet and look it up. Uh, <laughs> WebMD, but, baby. But there's no doubt my cardiologist is on the spectrum. There's mm -hmm. just no doubt. Uh, he's, uh, uh, I, was, I was on, he, he would literally, I'm trying to give you one example. There's so many. Right. Uh, one of my early encounters with him, he comes into the room, he stands up the entire time in his white smock. Uh, behind a, a rolling podium right. uh, and he hides behind the podium and he talked at me at a very high uh, loud and fast rate just uh, shot things at me uh -huh. and literally in the middle of his sentence walked out and I thought he went to go get something and was going to come back but no he was done he was done he was done yeah and and so a lot of people say, well, why would you put up with that? Why would you la 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 la? And and he did. I did go look at his ratings, and it, yeah, he uh, he had told some eighty five year old woman that she didn't. Uh, he didn't have a gun to her head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I also could tell this man was extremely intelligent in his field and extremely competent in his field. And I'd rather have an a hole who's dealing with my heart issues than uh, than someone that makes me feel good. And doesn't know their stuff that well. <laughs> well, and and to preface, to add to that, your heart issues. You've been doing really well cardiovascularly yeah. over the last two years. Yeah. Since since you've started seeing him. Yeah. So you've all you've the reason you go to see him have in, has improved. Yeah. Your for quality sure. of life, yeah. and he's not warm and fuzzy when you go see him. No, uh, like there was one drug, I looked up the symptoms, it was terrifying. It makes your genitalia rot off and fall off. Literally, uh, this, isn't a, you, this isn't an exaggeration. So I, I, like, I know this. So I was like, why do I want to be on this drug? And so I brought it up to him and he, he got very defensive. And he said, look, I'm trying to keep you alive. And I, and I told him, uh, I said, look, I'm trying to tell you that I would rather die than have my penis fall off. That, that's a better option. Death is a better option than my penis falling off from, from rotting off. And, uh, and so I don't remember how we resolved it. But uh, there was another drug that was costing. Wait, before, uh, we don't want to bury the lead. Is your penis still attached it, to your it's, body? Yes. So, Beautiful. yeah. Exactly. He did give me. Yeah, that's how we resolved it. He said, he said that, that uh, percentage is this, you know, he, is this small. <laughs> You're like, anyway, ironically yeah. enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and there was another drug that was costing us five, 600 a month, something like that. And I told him, look, I, the insurance won't cover this. It's, and we can't, you know, we've mm -hmm. already right. bid into every, all of our savings. And he's like, you're off. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm off. People tell me that all the time. No, you're off the drug. Forget about it. And I was like, well, do it. it's a heart med. Usually you have to like taper off. You're off. Forget about it. No, that was the end of the discussion. So, so yeah. So there. My point is, there are people with all kinds of of uh, mental disabilities, uh, mental issues that are highly competent in spirituality, in medical fields, in mm -hmm. academic fields, in mechanic. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. Well, I think that could just you know, we we could probably just end on this, but just that holistic view of, of the human being. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. Every, everyone's different. Um, you know, like you brought up earlier, some people are struggling with, with, uh, with physical things that you can see. Yeah. And other people are, are, uh, whether it's, uh, 
you know, who know the list could go on and on. Not yeah. not just not just mental health stuff, but there's other health uh, things. You know, yeah. cirrhosis of the liver, right? Right. Uh, kidney stones. You know, all different varying uh, things that that people are struggling with, and yeah. we don't know we don't know what that is. And even if we do, um, I mean, just going back to the thing, you've had quadruple. Was it? It was quadruple bypass, right? Or triple. They wanted triple, to do okay. quadruple, but the fourth was completely dissolved. So, so intellectually, I know what that is, but I, I haven't been through the pain of having to have that surgery. Yeah. You know, and so, so even recognizing that of, of like, I can intellectually know when someone's struggling with, with cancer or something like right. that, but, but I'm not embodying the pain, however they might be embodying it too. And, and, um, and I think it all goes, or not all goes back, but for this conversation specifically, how can I be more empathetic? Yeah. How can I uh, take a step back, draw, drop my judgments as good as I can, right? Because right. I'm not completely not judgmental. Um, and how can I, and how can I be uh, a better listener, even if it's just for the next ten minutes? Yeah. You know, and, and look someone in the eye, and, and just, and just, just allow them to be heard, because um, I think all those things are tough. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether whether you're struggling with with something or you're trying to be empathetic with someone struggling, it's it's uh, it's not an easy path to take. Right. It's much easier to be dismissive and, and move along. So, uh, did you have anything else? you wanted to add i mean i would i would add that the simple practice of silence uh expands i, I believe there's a, a an intimate relation between the practice of silent prayer and the increase or expansion of compassion in your in your psyche for others i think those yeah. two are are absolutely related i tend and to agree so, with that yeah so take 10 minutes a day 20 minutes a day and just be still give consent to the presence of god the love of god or an AA, like you guys would say, the 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 higher power, the eleven step, I think, right? Uh, give yourself over to some sort of contemplative yeah. practice. Uh, and, and even if ten minutes seems like too much of an investment, yeah, cut it to five, or even one, and then cut it to one. Yeah, you know, if, if if you need, if 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 uh, if that silence seems so overwhelming, at any, you know, start at one minute and and see. See what it can it can grow to or cultivate yeah. in your life, because um, that's where I started several years ago. Was one minute I even set a timer, you know, because I'm I'm a busy man. <laughs> I can't I can't spare more than one minute, um, and it 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 has grown profoundly yeah. in different ways since since those early days. So that's a good reminder. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. We, we appreciate uh, appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. Um, what you hear in the background, as always, uh, thank you, Jacob, from Monk Drums, for allowing us to use that. And uh, if you're in, if you're enjoying this, please uh, please sh- uh, tell a friend. Um, whether it's word of mouth or, or social media, we, we definitely appreciate appreciate the love and uh, we'll continue uh, continue our podcast journey.